0: Hello,
1: everyone. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to Swear to the Trees. J.K. This isn't. (laughs) This isn't that. This is a podcast. This is something different. This is. This is
0: the the world's only thirteen-hour anime podcast. Yes, seven days a week.
1: You know, get ready. Hold on to your bootstraps because it's going to be a long ride. (laughs) Hold on to your bootstraps. (laughs) Hold on. It's. This is. Are you guys ready? This is the bonus features podcast. Are you excited? I'm very excited. We're your host. I'm DJ Corduroy. I'm DJ Meta, Meta Senpai. That's M E T A S E N P I E P I E yes, Meta Senpai. (laughs) So yeah, I'm Corduroy. He's Meta Senpai and this is bonus features podcast. This is a podcast about animation. We're pretty we're basically experts, right?
0: I'm a historian, legally. Uh, legal. I, I went to I went to college just specifically
1: for anime historians. Anime? You're an anime historian? Yeah. Okay. I'm a um animation expert. I'm a self proclaimed expert. Yeah.
0: Uh, you got that. You got that online degree, yeah. I, the I online, got you, I
1: got you. The online degree. Nothing yes. wrong with that a very well accredited university gave me it. (laughs) Cool. But um, we hope that this podcast serves as a means of educating our listeners about animated works of art, especially ones that you guys might not know about. And we also plan on providing additional information about the production of said animated works and a little bit about music in these works. So that's what we hope to do today. Thank
0: you for listening. Love you, mom.
1: So today, this episode, this is the first episode. So I hope, I hope it's not horrible.
0: Oh, I hope it's good. <laughs> oh, today's who episode. Yeah,
1: we can blame. Who can we blame? We can blame somebody. Capitalism. We can blame capitalism. But um, but we're here to talk to you d- today about the famous Japanese director Satoshi Kon. He's, Very
0: uh very inspirational
1: he's a very inspirational being. and he he's known for movies such as paprika i feel like that's probably the most the pop- most
0: popular f- besides perfect blue yeah for sure perfect
1: blue paprika um
0: millennium actress yes um, paranoia agent which is a uh, that aired on tsunami so
1: yeah you guys you pr- guys probably know about that one Mm-hmm. And he did Tokyo Godfathers. Yes, good I movie. I feel like a lot of people don't know about that That's one. It's a
0: good Christmas movie, so.
1: Yeah, I watched it on Christmas Eve, not on purpose, but it That's just happened. Sick. Yeah, it was really, it was a good choice. Awesome. <laughs> so um, we're going to tell you a little bit about Satoshi Kon in case you're not familiar with him. So let's go. So Satoshi Kon. He was a Japanese film director, animator, and screenwriter, and manga artist from Sapporo, Hokkaido, and and a member of the Japanese Animation Creators Association. He began his career as a mangaka in 1984 with a manga he made himself, Toriko, while he was in college, and a one-volume manga, Kaikisen, in 1990. That was after he graduated. He then began animating in 1991 as a layout artist for the animated film Rojin Z. In 1993, Khan scripted and co produced the fifth episode of an OVA, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. In 1997, Khan then began working on his directorial debut, Perfect Blue, which is based on Yoshikazu Taikiichi novel of the same name in 2002 khan's second film millennium actress was released to the public the film centers a retired actress who mysteriously withdraws from the public eye at the peak of her career in 2003 khan's third work tokyo godfathers was announced and the film centered on a trio of homeless persons in tokyo who discovered a baby on christmas eve and set out to search for her parents Tokyo Godfathers cost more to make than the previous two films with a budget of approximately 300 million yen.
0: It's About 3 million U.S. dollars.
1: You are my human
0: calculator.
1: Currency <laughs> converter. Human currency converter. Thank you. And that movie centered on themes of homelessness and abandonment with a comedic touch worked in. In 2004, Satoshi Khan released a 13-episode television series, Paranoia Agent. The series was created from an abundance of unused ideas for stories and arrangements that Khan felt were good but did not fit into any of his projects. In 2006, Paprika was announced after having been planned out and materializing for several years. The story centers on a new form of psychotherapy that utilizes dream analysis to treat mental patients. Following... Ohio, a short NHK television production, Khan began work on his next film, Dreaming Machine. In 2010, Khan was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. Given half a year to live, Khan chose to spend the remainder of his life in his home. That took a very sad turn. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But his legacy lives on. And here we are, talking about him now. Yes. Today we're gonna talk about Paprika and Perfect Blue, and just like how weird these movies are, but also why you should watch them. So I guess we'll start with Paprika. Right? Is that what you wanna do? Let's start, start with start Paprika. There. Okay. Um, Cause
0: that's the most. That's the one uh, I watched more recently. <laughs>
1: yeah we watched it like last week so mm-hmm. so paprika is a film about this girl who jumps through dreams essentially like at its core it's
0: it's a it's it's about dreams and anxieties and uh mental instabilities yeah it's it it kind of goes through all of these subjects in a way that feels very it doesn't feel like anything was shoehorned in it's all handled with like care
1: yeah paprika is like so it's satoshi khan's fourth and final feature film before his death in 2010 so it's and like we said it's arguably his like most popular movie that everyone or mostly everyone's heard of or seen and it's
0: it's uh consistently uh been said that it is that it was the inspiration for what was to be inception which came out
1: in the mid well that came out kind of recently like a few years ago right
0: yeah it, it came it came out years ago but i was in I'm pretty sure I was in high school, so oh, came it's out. been a while.
1: It's been a while. But,
0: but uh, it was a big inspiration for that. and was definitely his most one of his most influential just because of how creative it yeah, was. Yeah,
1: and how it was just, it had a pretty big budget, oh, yeah. higher than the other movies that he's worked on. So this movie looked amazing. Um, we watched it the other day, and it was like, amazing in 1080p like hd like just beautiful
0: well his the budget did allow for like stuff that was more surreal to just be like just so greatly portrayed there just the animation budget just allowed him to yeah it allowed him to do like everything he wanted to to do
1: yeah exactly which this one was just so surreal because like perfect blue was like Pretty realistic, like it wasn't nothing in that, there. Was nothing like supernatural it, in that. Right there,
0: there, wasn't anything that was, uh, you know, th- there there are things that obviously you know aren't, uh, like, like you know natural. real. Obviously, yeah. But Paprika took it to more of a su- supernatural like level. Yeah,
1: because it, it dealt with dreams. So when in your dreams, you know, anything can happen. Exactly, and yeah. so. This was definitely by far his most surreal work. It was, ba- it's based on a novel of the same name. It's basically about a research psychologist who uses a device that permits therapists to help patients by entering their dreams. So kind of like inception. I haven't actually seen inception yet.
0: People really like that movie a lot. I Do watched you? it. I, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I saw it a long time ago and it didn't stick in my mind like the soundtrack you know it was obviously one of the main highlights that did stick in my mind but i can remember bits and pieces but the movie as a whole i just don't remember a whole lot out of it and i honestly haven't watched it since it first came out so yeah paprika so was, i've seen several times
1: so. Yeah. yeah so that was probably a while ago since you've seen it yeah but um paprika we've seen recently so um and like A way that this movie stands out is that Satoshi Kon's known for just, like, mixing reality and fiction into his work. Like, he's very well known for wanting the viewer to question what they're being shown on screen. And the way he does it is incomparable. Like, it's the way he does it in this film is, like, way surpasses his other films. Yep
0: like I said, his other films are, are still very much grounded in reality. You know, all of his other shows and stuff like that. But this one just kind of said reality. What's that?
1: What's that? What's a dream? Basically what happens in this film is... So we're in the near future. A revolutionary new psychotherapy treatment called Dream Therapy has been invented. A device called the DC Mini allows the user to view people's dreams. The head of the team, Dr. Atsuko Chiba, begins using the machine illegally to help psychiatric patients outside of the research facility. She takes on this alter ego named Paprika. Paprika is basically the dream version of Dr. Chiba. She's outgoing. She's, like, flirty. She's very flirty and
0: uh, bubbly and bouncy. Yeah. all around just
1: a treat she's a treat she's the so she's basically the opposite of dr Chiba Chiba is very serious
0: mm-hmm. she doesn't like to beat her on the bush at all she's very very serious person
1: she's she was kind of mean in the movie at certain parts
0: she was but she was like you know like uh, neutral yeah
1: she was very like like pragmatic and like matter of fact and and she she
0: just liked to call to to call out like Mm -hmm. anytime someone did something stupid or you know somebody was doing something that they weren't supposed to be doing she would just call them out on it like
1: yeah wow you're an idiot yeah like she was good at that so she has this alter ego named paprika and Paprika is a sentient persona that she assumes in the dream world. And so for the film, the main conflict happens when the DC Mini is still unfinished at this point. It's a beta version and there's no access restrictions. This allows anyone to enter any other person's dreams if you have the device. So clearly this poses grave consequences if they get into the wrong hands and spoiler, just kidding. No not a spoiler. They're stolen. They they're in the wrong hands, obviously.
0: And and the real the real issue is it's not just that they can enter dreams, it's the projecting other people's dreams into other people's Mine. noggins. Yeah. Yeah. And so and that's then that's the main issue in conflict. Is some it's like a type of like dream terrorism
1: you could just completely invade someone's dream but then you can also take someone's dream and like sh- while
0: while someone's wide awake just there there's a dream for you yeah you think it's real life
1: yeah you think that it's real life
0: Be- because it's so seamless like when you when when something gets into your head like that it's not like all of a sudden it's like oh i'm in a i'm in a dream now no it like yeah it seamlessly M- blends together so you just at first you just don't realize. kind of like I just think this is a weird situation but.
1: It's kind of like a daydream like you're daydreaming like yeah. you always kind of snap out of your daydream and you're like oh crud like.
0: Was, was I really just staring at? I was
1: just staring at this you know this board while my teacher was talking but I completely forgot that my, I was here and that my teacher's talking I yeah. thought I was like flying through the through space on a nimbus cloud they totally they totally
0: called me out to yeah everyone's laughing at me
1: now now this is horrible because people are throwing things at me now and making fun of me what high school did you go to um it's it's not important okay anyway (laughs) um, yeah it's like you think you're daydreaming but really you've been like infected with this dream. And so um, almost immediately after we find out that the DC minis have been stolen, the chief of the department, Dr. Toratoro Shima, goes on a nonsensical tirade and jumps through a window nearly killing himself. And that's because humans will think that their dreaming actually just be in the real world,
0: Right. and and that goes back to it seamlessly just all of a sudden like the person doesn't realize and so now they don't realize that they are move they 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 are moving in the real world and it's uh dangerous just cuz you know yeah if people think don't. they're dreaming they'll do mhm and so whatever. in the
1: film Satoshi Kon kind of takes advantage of that the fact of that it's so seamless like he takes advantage of that by making the viewer question what's being shown to us on screen.
0: He wants, he doesn't want you to know either. Yeah. Like, like, he doesn't, the, the characters don't know, and he doesn't want the audience to know what is what, essentially, yeah.
1: Exactly. So he, it's, we're being shown everything through this sort of, like, subjective lens, in, in the same manner that, like, you know, I see things through my eyes. And so I have my own perspective of things. Normally, when you watch a show, you kind of observe through an objective lens. You kind of see, like, this character's doing this. This other character is doing this. This is how these two things connect. This is a, There is an overlap. But in this film, he Satoshi Kon doesn't want you to objectively see everything that's happening, he kind of wants you to see it through a subjective lens. So, like, we're seeing things on screen, but we do not know if it's the reality of the movie or if it's, like, a dream reality in the movie, which is kind of wild, because there's not many movies or animated movies that do this. Well,
0: he does a good job of, like, making making the transition just so yeah you
1: just don't exactly and there's a yeah. video on youtube i almost said youtube youtube beautiful youtube, YouTube. <laughs> check out my video on youtube <laughs> oh my god anyway <laughs> so there's a video oh, i'm not sure who it's by but it's like it wasn't super Patch wolf was it no okay. i'm going to put po- i'm going to find the video and post a link to it because it's important and yes. um it's just like why satoshi khan is great like why his movies are great and like digibro is it digibro it might be it's like a long video about how he uses editing to like seamlessly transition through scenes and just like trick the audience to trick the audience like he he uses it's surrealism yeah that's ooh. it no it's like it's a surrealist technique in art or surrealism is a movement that started in the 20th century it's an avant-garde movement in art and literature that sought out to release the creative potential of the unconscious mind for example the by the irrational juxtaposition of images also surrealist artists are known for like putting things like on the same plane but like with different perspectives it's a trick it's a mind trick it's like an illusion like yeah, but yeah. there's it's formulaic and like
0: and you do not see it coming
1: you don't see it when you look at it your your mind can't understand it because there's two different perspectives and your mind has to like look at it you have to just like stare at if you've ever looked at surrealist art you've like you just have to stare at it and try to understand what's happening because it'll be like one thing that's happening but then like in the same plane there'll be another like item or like object but with a different perspective so you have you have to use your brain to distinguish what's happening wow okay yeah i'm impressed wow i don't know what i just said anyway <laughs> you're, you're, i don't you're, know you're, what i'm saying now yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me i promise it does does it make sense to it you? makes sense to me okay so my point is Satoshi Khan uses this type of surrealism in paprika like he will use like he'll trick you he's tricky he's so tricky like he's he'll, tricky yeah whole like have something go across the screen and then it's a transition and you're in a different like scene. Like. Oh, the
0: way he, yeah, the way he, the, the way, way he, he edits, transitions from scene to scene is fantastic. His editing. He has some of the, some of my favorite transitions and in it's, cinema.
1: Yes, definitely. And so like my point of that exposition was that the way he edits things is a technique used in surrealist art like it's and it's done it's intentional because it's purposefully to get our mind to question things and so here we are so we talked about surrealism like there's also another aspect of that Satoshi Kon focuses on in his work and in paprika there's always this idea of having multiple selves. Like my, I, yeah. And most of his works. In most of his yeah. works. And I know there's one, you probably remember better than me, cause you've seen this movie like multiple times, but like there's that one scene where they show Paprika's like, she sees a reflection of herself. And then like, there's like multiple Paprika's. And so there's just like multiple Paprika's. And Paprika herself is already a, like, alter ego of Dr. Chiba. So, like, now we're thinking, like, how many different versions of this person can exist? Or, like, how many different, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, it just gets you questioning. It just makes you think. So, like, so Cohen makes you think, like, what is a self? And there's there's a whole bunch of... We can talk about, like, the philosophy of this movie all day. But we're day, not philosophers. But we're not philosophers. I didn't go to school for that, so we won't do that. And also, he touches on, like, mental instability a little bit, too.
0: I think mental instability is such a is such a prominent... Has such prominent uses in all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, besides maybe, like, Tokyo Godfathers, but...
1: Um, yeah, that one... That, that, that was more of a straight that was such
0: a straightforward movie
1: um, yeah there wasn't like any like oh like is this real like right.
0: that, that was all of, that was all very grounded in was reality that really wasn't, that wasn't anything crazy but in paranoia Agent*, perfect blue and paprika all three of those works all use men- mental instability to have the audience question what's actually is this actually happening or is this just a figment of this character's imagination
1: yeah and like We're
0: using mental health as a
1: how their mental health affects their perception perception and sanity in the movie in paprika the dc mini is used to treat men- mental health through via dreams and
0: trying to analyze what these dreams mean and then getting to the core of the problem and why they're having these dreams like anxiety is a is a big Is a big one for a certain patient who's just having the same reoccurring nightmare. Yeah, um, from this case he can't he can't seem to solve.
1: Khan wants you to look at the character and look, and you see that they have. You kind of see that there is some mental trauma. I guess that's mental trauma. Trauma. I don't know. uh, Um. Because clearly he's having this reoccurring nightmare and it's bothering him. It's kind of like post-traumatic stress
0: that he's experiencing, and he, you know, he he will have an anxiety attack just driving to work. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it gets to the point where he needs to. They're willing to use that, uh, the DC mini and everything, to help figure out what the deal is, essentially.
1: Another thing, another like theme that. Satoshi Kon focuses on, in not only Paprika, but his other work, is perception. And dealing with different characters' perception of what's happening. And we have this kind of... We'll see in each character this kind of internal conflict between their memory versus their vision. We see that in Paprika um, between a few characters right mainly the character that we were just talking about that has the reoccurring nightmares yes we find out that there's his vision or his dream vision what he sees in his dreams there's there's
0: there's another there's another cause for his trauma and anxiety and it's and it's when you you think you know you jump to the obvious thing like oh it's this case like it's this case I can't solve but then yeah. turns out it's memories from his college days yeah that that are like you know that that, are, yeah. that is what's so actually giving him the we exam. find
1: out that from his memory his memory allows him to have a clearer understanding of his dream vision that's how memory ties in with vision right and so. So, Toshi makes you think about you know just the like dynamic between what's your memory and what vision is? I don't know how would you describe medicine pie? How would you describe memory versus like vision like the difference
0: the difference between memory and vision? Yes, let's see vision
1: for me, vision is like you use your eyes to see things that is your vision, like, oh, that's oh. you see. I see with my eyes and like, you know, if I'm at a place and I see what's going on, then I, that's my vision. But if I'm not at that place and I didn't see what happened, then I don't have, I didn't see it and therefore I have no memory of that because I didn't see it. Okay. Well, but that could be argued because like, you know, then that brings you to the question, what is memory? right and so what is memory DJ Meta Senpai
0: (laughs) don't even get me started
1: Um, (laughs) (sighs) let me think about this for me memory is it's a form of vision it's something that you've seen but it's in the past
0: but memory is still something that you have that you have seen it is just something that happened in the past where is your
1: vision is what's happening as of now, like right in front of you. Hmm. I, I mean, that's what I, that's my interpretation of it. Like vision is what I see in front of me, but it could also, you know, be like more metaphorical. Like my vision is what I want to happen. But anyway, for the sake of like science, vision <laughs> is what I can see and my memory is, what I have seen. What I have seen. But, you know, some people, you know, you, you some people don't have the best memory. That's
0: true. So and they remember things differently.
1: And you, you remember things differently. And so that's what perception is. Like, perception is how you see things and how you remember it. And that's what memory is. Something that you've seen and that you've stored in your mind. And, like, but your perception is... How you do those things for me. Right. right. Um, so that. And you're right. So, you're like, sure. Khan wants you to think about, like, he's bringing to your attention that everybody has a different perception of things. And so that, that, he, this is huge in the movie that we're going to talk about now, Perfect Blue. Like, this is
0: huge in this movie. It's the main, it's, it's the like, main concept.
1: The of main the movie. concept
0: of Between, the movie. between, Trauma and anxiety, yeah. And memory versus
1: Perfect Blue is an animated psychological film directed by Satoshi Kon, and it's kind of you could say it's psychological. Some people will argue that it's horror, it's but... A, um,
0: a, I think it's more of a thriller. It's more of a Psychological thriller.
1: thriller. Yeah, it's a thriller. It's, a, it's very suspenseful at times. And it was released in 1997, and it's the first film that Satoshi Kon directed and helped write. The famous director Darren Aronsky cited it as the inspiration for his 2010 thriller, Black Swan. So
0: as you can see, Satoshi Kon had a had a good hand in... Yeah. inspiring a lot of different famous directors to
1: yeah like a lot of famous directors looked towards satoshi Kon's work for inspiration if that tells you anything about him or the kind of work the gravity of the work that he does so as far as perfect blue goes the story begins when we meet the main character mima performing with her bandmates she's in a j-pop group Called Cham, and I would say that they're uh, fire. Fire, yes. I would say that they're not. They're not like super famous, but they're like.
0: Oh no, but they have their cult. They have their following. Like they, they have, have a following.
1: Yeah. The reason I say that is because at the beginning of the movie, she's on like the the bus.
0: Right, like she she she's not. She's the
1: she's the world's uh, brokest pop star. Yes, you could say that. Yeah. So she's on the bus. So she's like, but I mean, I don't know what Japan's like. I guess that's normal. I mean,
0: like, public—it is normal, and, and it's just because public transportation is so fine-tuned to perfection. Mm-hmm. Who the heck needs a car when? When the bus is When the buses be. and the and the transit system are all so good and run so punctually, you don't, you know. Yeah, like,
1: why would you ever drive when you can just, you know?
0: And and the shows in her apartment as well because she still lives in a very small. A cramped apartment a one bedroom very small apartment but that's yeah. but that's the kind of housing that's that's, that's there just,
1: yeah so that's why I say like she's not like super famous but she's relatively famous so she was on the bus and like people weren't harassing her right exactly
0: just, no, no one's like following her with yeah like you know following her around well, flashing like, photos yeah and no one's and like stuff.
1: there's no paparazzi like she's just on the bus like she's just she's like famous but she's not like to the point where she can't live a normal life. Yeah. I would say that at the beginning of the movie. It's
0: like she's on the bus, but she's on the bus on the way to Whole
1: Foods. Like yes, she. That's pretty much. Yes, <laughs> I would say that too. But <laughs> now we have Amazon. and We don't need. Oh, to leave you're, our right. House no, now. you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> Got a Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Mima is in this Japanese pop group called Cham. And they're just like a typical girl group like nineties pop like girl the, the
0: group. most nineties pop
1: the best type of nineties pop group and her at the beginning of the movie, we see that she's performing with her bandmates, and at the end of that performance, she makes an announcement that she's leaving the group, like she wants to start a new career as an actress, and um. We see this at the very beginning of the movie. She gives this heartfelt, like, message as to why she wants to start a new career. And then in the crowd, we see this, like, very creepy... The most
0: terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Very scary. Like, just... I want to say... He's not, like, super grotesque, but he's just very...
0: He's not, like, he's not, like... Um... Like fictionally, like you know, yeah, like, like uh, like, but he's just a scary-looking dude, he's, and he's, I believe, he's a, a security guard at the time, or he's supposed to be. He, but he, but you could tell he's actually a a big fan. He's a fan
1: because the way he's looking at her
0: when she when she, re- you know, announces her plan her plans to retire is
1: he's very he's unsettled. very
0: upset about it.
1: Yes, and so. You see this creepy guy at the beginning of the movie, he's in the crowd, she makes this announcement, and so he's like clearly, visibly un- upset. Yeah, he begins to stalk her, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. The, Yep, he begins to stalk her. Um, so she, she begins to receive threats, she receives like a fax that's like, it said something in Japanese, I don't remember what it said, but it was like, it was a threat. Yeah, it was the, a threatening fax. Keep in mind, I keep forgetting to say this when I talk about this movie, but this movie is based off a book that was written in the 90s. So this is a pre-internet era.
0: And the movie itself came out in in the late 90s.
1: Yeah, they finished writing it in 1995, which is like...
0: And I think it came out like 97. It came
1: out in 97. So like, this movie was a pre-internet... This was... Written before the internet And like many of you listening May not understand what that means I don't understand What that means cause I was like Born in 94 So you know right. There were like 6 years of my life Where like there wasn't an internet But then like after that There was an internet I <laughs> um, But like So this is pre-internet And so she's receiving threatening Faxes that's how people threaten. Yeah, she's receiving a, f- a threatening fax. I
0: just oh, realized how funny that is.
1: It's like then she also received a threatening letter. Bring it back. Well, she she received a letter at her studio or her like her place? At, at her her at job. Her, yeah, at her and job so, essentially. But she didn't open it. Someone else opened it, and the letter exploded. It was a bomb.
0: And injured, it injured injured the guy who yeah. did open it. Yes. So
1: someone's trying to hurt her. And also, like I said, this was pre-internet. So it, Mima it, has an yeah. online blog, essentially.
0: It was, well, this was when, like,
1: it, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like, like internet a wasn't a
0: the most. Internet wasn't, like, it was there, but it wasn't, like, popular in, like, homes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But she still had a computer in her, in her house.
1: She, yeah. So she She had had
0: just gotten it. She didn't really know how to use it or anything like that. Yes. But she looks and finds out that somebody is posting, is posing as her Mm -hmm. and is basically posting pictures of her doing her everyday stuff. Like a picture of her coming out of the grocery store and like with the caption like, Oh, I went shopping today. Yeah. These strawberries are really good
1: Mm -hmm. or something
0: silly like that.
1: No. Yeah. So she's, there's journal entries about her. It's kind of like a blog, but it's the nineties. So it's not a blog. It's just like a journal, an online journal. It's an online journal. And so pre-blog pre-blog days. So someone is posting these journal entries, but mima's not the one posting them however what's being said in the journal entries are it's true it's like what she's been doing which
0: is even which is even scarier just because they've followed her so closely they know everything she's been doing for the past few days and it's not a and it's not a private journal or anything like that i don't believe it's something that anybody can see
1: Yeah, so... It's like um, a fan site, almost. So the whole movie is just kind of like a play on fiction versus reality. Kind of similar to Paprika, but I think that perception is a bigger focus in this movie. And in this one, you really don't know what's going on. In this one, like... (laughs) I don't know. In in Paprika, it's kind of just like... I followed Paprika... up until like the very last like big scene where I was kind of just like
0: well well that's when stuff started merging when, and getting all muddy and you yeah couldn't really, you couldn't really in that and uh, that yeah. was
1: like very intentional and like it's like I knew what was going on but I didn't know why
0: and it was so big and just an explosive point but this movie keeps everything this movie focused on her and her own perception of everything around her rather than yeah bigger
1: and for me in this movie it was much 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 harder to figure out what was fiction and what was reality right for the for the viewer
0: just as the as the stalking gets worse and as she starts feeling, you know know, her champ starts doing well without her and after she's feeling some type of way about that she's starting to it starts to get worse like she starts to She'll, not be able to tell herself what she's doing and Yeah. She know, she'll wake up in random spots, like she'll wake up in her bed when she was just outside doing something. Like Yeah,
1: like so she's definitely there's definitely some so um some form of like trauma she's losing like, her grip on reality. And as the viewer of this movie, we understand that she's losing her grip of reality because as the viewer we are very disoriented when like with the scenes and the transitions. And that's not typically if the viewer is disoriented in a movie, that's bad. That's not good. That that yeah, means it, that,
0: yeah, That that's if you're trying to get them to follow <laughs> what's yes. going on.
1: But this is done so intentionally. And so in a way that it's seamless, but it's intentional. So the viewer, we're shown things through a subjective lens. That's what, Satoshi Kone wants to like that's he he did this he wanted us I think he said in an interview that like he did not want the viewer to know like what was happening he
0: he wanted us to be as disoriented, disoriented, disoriented as possible and instead of like you still feel lost in a way but you cannot look away <laughs> like the whole yeah. time. It's just like you are glued, even it's, though you don't know what the heck is it's going. It's so
1: on. entertaining. And I love this movie so much. Like, I will watch it again. I will watch it numerous times because every time I watch it, I notice something else.
0: Exactly. You notice like, some, something you didn't notice. It's before. So crazy. Something so small. Um, and but it's so significant that you just. Yeah. Every time you watch it, it's something different.
1: Yeah, there's a video on YouTube that's like really cool. If you've already watched this movie, I recommend that you check it out. It's called The Uses of Red and Perfect Blue. It's like it's just a good. It's it's good. And Why Perfect Blue is terrifying. That
0: too. That's another that's good. That's good. Yes. Um, um well, I guess
1: I can post links to these. Just
0: don't videos. watch Don't watch Why Perfect Blue is terrifying unless you've actually seen the yeah. don't watch either unless you see them <laughs> watch them after you watch this yes. film It'll so help you appreciate them more
1: let's talk about um the subjective lens let's tie back into that so let's unpack that a little bit i hate when yeah. people say that do, we, do people say that let's unpack that a little bit like you i hate it get anyway. them out of there what so um the subjective lens is shown when, like we said, like we talked about her blog. So we are shown that there is a blog and Mima's looking at the blog. Right. And we know by her reaction to it and by just by like seeing her, that she has not been posting on this blog. No, she has not. However, she'll check it like daily or weekly, probably weekly, because you know, yeah. the 90s. And
0: then freak herself out.
1: And it, she'll be freaked out because it'll be like, I got on the I t- I did this today and this is what I did today and then I went here this followed to a T to like so so detailed like very detailed like my current self couldn't be this detailed and I have the technology at my fingertips like they went out of their way to not only stalk her but to like post about it online in the 90s that's dedication. Do you know how hard that is? That's dedication. I'm going to need a long
0: long cable to do that.
1: You need, like,
0: Tom Warner was around back then.
1: Nobody better pick up the phone. <laughs> Your connection will be canceled. That awful sound. Your
0: subscription will be canceled. Don't anybody
1: pick up the phone. That awful internet sound. That AOL sound.
0: Bob, I was using cartoonnetwork.com. <laughs> Get that off didn't the phone. Exist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like okay, the content on her blog is true. We know that there's a fake author. We don't know who it is, but all the content's true. So we're left to assume that someone's stalking her. But for Mima, she has no idea. She doesn't know. She
0: doesn't know if she's the one actually like. Yeah, and so she's or if someone else is doing.
1: She loses touch of her reality so much that like.
0: She, she starts to get so paranoid, Yes. like so paranoid to the point where she doesn't feel like she can trust herself or anybody because she doesn't know who's writing the stuff. She can't trust herself because she don't know what the heck she's been doing for the past week.
1: Yeah, she's losing her mind. She's mentally unstable because, you know, she has these new expectations As of an being an actress. She has guilt from leaving her friends from leaving her old career behind and then then there's this expectation of her as kind of a woman to be especially a like famous woman a woman
0: in the in the uh in the movie business Mm -hmm. in japan at the time especially it's yeah yeah
1: so that kind of brings us to our next thing. So there is this expectation of her as a woman in this industry, in the entertainment industry. So Toshi Kon does a good job of not only making the viewer aware of the subjectivity of what's being shown to them on screen and the the idea of perception being different for everyone, but he also does a good good job exploiting the male gaze, which I would say not many animators or directors in the nineties were doing that much no. also in animated work
0: they had just discovered that a fan service was a big
1: they were like that was
0: a big thing now wait so. so
1: you mean like we can't show boobs we shouldn't is that bad? Like we shouldn't. It <laughs> fits
0: her, you know, decisions and everything like that. But the, but these are but these are corporate men who are basically trying to uh, profit off of her attractiveness and yeah, sexuality and, and basically with with her new expectations trying to force her to do Uh, things that she just obviously doesn't feel comfortable doing.
1: Yeah, Um, in Perfect Blue, she becomes an actress. And so there's this one instance where she she works for this, she works for a soap opera now. And the soap opera, the soap opera kind of foreshadows a lot in the movie. But so there's this one scene in the soap opera that Mima works for and her, the network executives want her to do this scene that she kind of feels uncomfortable doing
0: and that her, uh, her agents,
1: her agent, her
0: agents also doesn't feel comfortable with her doing and They've known each other for a long time and she's like actually like torn up about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: there's a scene that involves sexual assault and Mima feels uncomfortable doing it, but she sucks it up for her career. She wants, right, exactly. she wants the network executives to like, to, 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 to like, work to, with her. To work with her, and like and her
0: they feel like if she's more outgoing for, uh, those kind of scenes, then mm-hmm. she'll be then easier to work with.
1: She'll have like a more adult image and like, she'll be, she'll be more successful. That's the idea that the entertainment industry has. Especially for women, and so after that scene, she does she agrees to do the scene, and it's fake. She's acting. However, after this, after she does the scene, she starts to like experience like some trauma. Like she's right. very torn up about she's it. She's
0: very it. It shakes her up. Uh, and it her, shakes her and her her agent her agent up a especially lot. especially so. because they are in the they are in a room full of
1: seeing the scene being
0: acted out and they are like both both her produ- not her producer so
1: her agent and like her assistant
0: i guess assistant kind of and i guess just
1: like the director have like they're watching your, yeah. her act out this scene and the two men in the room are fine of course and then her agent her friend Rumi. She's very upset and she like cries like like she,
0: hand over mouth, just like
1: she's ugly crying. And, and even then her she and leaves. even her
0: agent, you know, wasn't like you know, he wasn't like crying or anything like that, but he but was still he, like you could tell he was like Yeah. I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So Satoshi Khan kind of he brings attention to the male gaze. And so the male gaze is something used in feminist philosophy and it was coined by feminist film critic laura mulvey in 1975 and it's the male gaze is the act of depicting the world and women in visual arts and literature from a masculine and heterosexual point of view presenting women as an object of male pleasure in this movie mima is definitely seen as an object kind of for male pleasure she's she was in a girl group and if you've seen the movie and, or just if you know what Japan's like at all like you know like they kind of want women to look a certain way and, and, and it's something
0: them. like it, it's something that's like has been embedded in the like like nowadays it's starting to you know more <clears throat> women are focusing on uh, careers and everything like that because Japan has been behind on that on yes. the whole uh, feminine e- equality and everything. Well, I say equality, but they basically just women's rights to be able to do what, the what heck they, they want rather than fitting into that mold of you get married at 20 something and you have kids. And uh, but back but back then specifically, it was still they were still very behind and like, yeah, and they were so supposed to fit a certain role right.
1: Yes, and so women in the entertainment industry, such as Mima, she was always shown as like an object, specifically from like a masculine and heterosexual point of view. So when she was in a girl group, she was made to look very like girly and like kind of young and pretty and kind of risque, not like not even risque, but like just childlike. But now, she wanted to be taken seriously as an adult, so right. she became an actress. And so, in the male gaze, if you want to do that, you have to be sexualized. You have
0: to be open to yes sexualization. And there's even a scene with a photographer mm-hmm. who goes from the original shoot, not not supposed to be a nude shoot at all, but then through that influence, yeah, was turned into such. And
1: and, like, through the male gaze, that's seen as normal. Like, like you know, just, we're going to, f- it's so normal to see a nude photo shoot for a woman. But, like, you don't see men doing nude, you never see men doing nude photo shoots. You don't. Rarely, yeah. Like, you just don't. Like, I mean now you might but in the 90s like no way you did not anyway so the point is like he makes it very obvious that there is a male gaze because like in this movie there is there the people around her who are like dying or being killed are typically men so like thank goodness thank goodness but um, but also like another point is her stalker is you know, or who we we're shown that this guy, this creepy guy, is like stalking her, which is another. This is a creepy guy, like who who's going out of his way to like stalk her because she's an idol. There's like, there's just like.
0: He's He is very upset that she has left Cham.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was his main, like, yeah, inspiration for him. Like, okay, well, now I'm going to threaten her.
1: Yeah, and that's another, like, male thing to do. Like, oh, I'm upset because you, like, I don't know. I don't ever, it's always a male that's upset about a woman doing something it's never like a woman who's like i'm gonna stalk you because you didn't do this like it's always a it's just typical and this happens all the time like people you know i never hear of like a if i ever hear of like a woman stalker it's usually like comedic like you know it's never like it's never for me. I've never seen in a, in a movie, in a film. I've never seen like a woman stalker or an
0: anime. That's a an anime. Or it's, a specialty. A, it's a it's a
1: comedy. It's kind of a comedy trope. In It'll anime, be a com yeah. It's like a comedic trope. Like if it's a woman and she's a stalker, but it's a very 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 serious thing for there to be like a male stalker, and I think Satoshi Kon wanted to like focus on that in the relationship with the idolization of celebrities in Japan they literally call their celebrities idols that's yeah. the word that they use for celebrity in Japan is idol
0: and that, and that line of work is very very hard yes depending on your group it can be very difficult with the expectations that are there
1: and so there's many ways that Mima's subjected to the male gaze. Um, I think I touched on all of them. Okay, so I think that's about... We've already talked about this movie a lot. It's It's been a very long time. To- a very long time. <laughs> a very long conversation. Of mixed thoughts. And like... Honestly, I could talk about Perfect Blue for like so much longer, but I don't want to, you know, ramble and I don't want to spoil anything, which I right. will do if I keep talking, exactly, so I'm going right. to stop. Reason like you should definitely check out both of these movies if you are a fan of animation, if you are a fan of great storytelling and e-
0: even if you don't like anime, which I understand that it's not everybody's cup of tea, these movies are so uh, far away from what people consider to be, like, typical anime fare. They are. That you would enjoy, you would enjoy it Regard, Like, I guarantee you, it, even if you don't like cartoons, I would recommend watching these if you're a fan of any kind of psychological thriller. If you're into movies like Joyride or something, like, yeah, yeah, I just, I recommend it.
1: I agree. Like, this isn't typical. When you think of anime, like, I promise you, you will not think of these movies because it's almost like not anime. Also, they're dubbed. they're dubbed in English and it's not bad like it's a It's good, really
0: not bad. They're they're both they're both good dubs. Um It's if great you, voice so acting for English. A it's that, lucky for you if you cannot read subtitles. Uh yeah. Which I some know people, a lot of people who can't. Stand some people it.
1: hate subtitles yeah. and I, I don't prefer them, but I'll do it if it's like in a language at this, I can't. Understand. At this
0: point I do prefer them mainly because
1: I'm saying in a, in a language I can't understand.
0: Yes. Like, like, like voice acting is so is taken so seriously in Japan. Like voice, actors get paid more than anybody on the production staff. Really? Yeah. Because the amount of training and emotion that they, yeah, it's actually, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. If you ever listen to like a Japanese, like just Japanese people talk in an anime, it's like, the difference is ridiculous. I know so, so they definitely
1: why. put a lot into it. Yeah, I feel like more than America. And, and
0: there's a lot more money put to be put into it as well. Wow, in Japan. I'm gonna be. It's a not voice taken actor. seriously here in America.
1: Yeah, like I feel like if you say you're a voice actor here, like you know, unless just, you're
0: in a Disney film or Pixar or something, no one like cares. It. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it, exactly. So check out these movies, um, Perfect Blue and Paprika. We will we have more to come more podcasts to come this is episode one yep. this is our first time doing this so i hope you guys have enjoyed it
0: it will it will get better as we go and we start to get a rhythm going and yes this may have been a little rambly but it's you it
1: kind of got thrown we kind of got we don't even th- didn't have that long to prepare for it well we got thrown a lot of curveballs and i mean i guess that's what happens when you use technology and like media but like we got thrown like like just five curveballs like trying to just within get the into span the <laughs> of an hour like oh my god I need to stop yelling <laughs> so thank you all for listening um, this is bonus features podcast with DJ Corduroy and DJ Meta Senpai yes and I want to say thank you to WSC FM for allowing us to do this thank you to the University of South Carolina student media Organizations for allowing this podcast to exist. Um, shout out to our multimedia directors George Wassel and Luke Baker, and um, our—I don't know your title, but I want to give you a shout out anyway to Sydney Patterson. She is the social media rep. I don't. She's 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 awesome. She's up there. She's up there. She's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's it. Keep it locked and listen for the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye.